Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. Gang, what is happening? I am Mal Foster, and you are listening to the 60th edition, the 60th episode of your third favorite above average, but some may say infinitely curious podcast, Dimed Out, a show dedicated to exploring the mysteries and the meaning of life. Although that's kind of futile because no one, especially me and this goofy podcast, will ever find that out. But hey, There's fun in the journey, right? It's not about the destination. Well, yeah, never mind the cliché bollocks. It's dimed out. And as I said, it is the 60th edition of the podcast, which, you know, 60 if you discount the bonus episodes we've done. All two of them, I think. Yeah, never mind. 60 episodes. And more to the point, it is the last episode of Season 3. That's right, it is the Season 3 finale. Season 3 has felt like a lot of things in this weird period of time that we find ourselves in. Time has become elasticated, and for me, Season 3 has gone so fast, yet at the same time, it feels like something I've been living with forever. So, yeah, kind of mixed feelings about the finale for this season. Before we go any further, I should say that this is the first time, it's weirdly enough, the last time I'm sitting down to record an episode for this season is the first time I've sat down to record an episode for this season in what has got to be months. So yeah, it's a little bit weird being sat at the desk looking at the intro, which I had to remind myself what it was because <laughs> it has been so long. Yeah, it's a little bit like getting on an old rusty bicycle that, you know, at one point you you were very comfortable and familiar with so yeah if it's shit that's the reason why it's because i've not done it for ages well that and because we're going to be trying something very different with this episode for the season one and season two finale we did a retrospective episode where i looked at on one hand the state of the world as it was with all of this bullshit nightmarish chapter that we find ourselves living through how we were doing collectively as a species as humans And I also, on the other side of that coin, looked at what we'd done in that particular season. You know, talking about some of the guests we'd had, some of the conversations we'd had, some of the topics I'd brought to the show, some of the highlights, basically, of the season that we were wrapping up. But for this season finale, I'm not going to do either of those things. First and foremost, I don't have the energy to talk about the state of the world and where we are collectively as a species. I just do not have that in me. Secondly, I honestly don't have it in me to kind of do a full recap and sort of retrospective of the season as a whole. And that's because this season's been one of of a huge duality. It's been a real mixed bag for me, season three. On one hand, I'm immensely proud of this season. I'm really pleased with how it came out. It is without question the most diverse, eclectic season that we've done of the show so far in terms of guests in terms of topics it's really the most robust and dynamic season of dimed out to date but at the same time it's something that has really drained 
my internal battery. It is something that has really stressed me and really kind of pushed me to to far off edges. And that is entirely my own doing. If I were to recommend or suggest one episode from this season, if you haven't listened to it, then it would be episode nine. That was the midpoint break. And it was also a major break in my psyche regards doing this podcast. Because from the beginning, since I first started doing Dimed Out, it has been a real passion project. It's been something that I've really genuinely loved doing, researching things I didn't know like a jot about, digging into some things I knew a little bit about, having really wonderful conversations with people I've known and loved for years, and reaching out to people I've never spoken to before to talk about a flood of amazing and interesting and dynamic things. But to make it as good as I could do, which is a part of my work ethic, there is a sense of perfectionism in my work ethic, to make it as good as I could, I threw myself into it perhaps too much. And if you listen to episode 9, you will see, or if you have listened to it, you will have heard how I basically was using the podcast as a form of escapism, of detachment, but not healthy escapism or detachment. It was essentially something for me to just really channel my time and energy into, to avoid talking to myself and even admitting to a number of things, the challenges that I've faced since emigrating from the UK to the US, my constant ebb and flow and dips within my mental and emotional state. A, a lot of things. There was a lot of things I was just kind of um, suppressing, pushing down or even running away from. And the best method of running away for a period of time was making this. And it kind of became all consuming. To the point where I had, as I said, a breaking point. And episode 9 is that breaking point. If you are unfamiliar with episode 9, it's a conceptual episode where I am both the interviewer and the interviewee. And I'm talking to myself for the first time, really, about a lot of different things. You know, I'm actually admitting to things, confronting things, verbalizing, vocalizing. A lot of things I just didn't want to even admit or talk about or dive into detail. And yeah. That conversation that I had with myself, conversations I had with my wife, conversations I had with my mum, kind of flushed to the surface something that was really kind of apparent and obvious but hidden. And that was that I needed a break. I needed to get away and detach in a healthy way. More importantly, I needed to go back home to my home country, to my hometown, to essentially recharge the batteries in my soul, for lack of a better term. So by the time episode 9 dropped, by the time that conversation made its way into the public feed, I was on my way back to Britain for the first time in two and a half years, for six weeks in the summer. And that's what this week's episode and this season finale is going to be about. It's going to be a retrospective look back at that time. And more importantly, what that time meant and did to and for me. However, in an effort to create some space and distance between the more obsessed perfectionist elements, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I did an episode back at the start of the season with Dr. Lauren Servico about chasing the unicorn, about chasing the, the mythological ideal of perfectionism. And at points throughout the season, that's exactly what I've been doing. So in an effort to no longer chase the unicorn, to kind of just do my own thing, to embrace some of the rawness, the rough edges, 
the earnest aspect of making this thing. I'm going to do it in one take and I'm going to do it to a time limit. I'm going to set myself with my Pomodoro timer here, this little sort of plastic and metal green apple that I have and I use for writing. I'm going to set this thing to 30 minutes and that's how long we're going to have. I mean, the episode itself may only be 10 minutes. I don't know. I may completely run out of things to say in 10 minutes. But whatever happens, we've got 30 minutes on the clock. If you're ready, then we'll start now. So I'm going to wind this up to 30 minutes and then I'm going to place it in the kitchen and then we can begin. All right, so there we go. 30 or maybe 32 minutes on the clock, give or take. I did kind of edge it over a little bit so I had some time to place it in the kitchen where it wouldn't just tick, 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 tick through the background uh, and get myself back to the desk. So anyway, 30-ish minutes on the clock. If this, by the way, is a preferred method, if you actually kind of like the idea of doing one raw take with a time limit, then uh, maybe we'll do this again in the future. Maybe this could, I don't know, if there's enough interest, if enough people say they prefer this way, maybe this will be the new way of doing Dimed Out. I don't know, but it is kind of daunting. If it is something you want to see more of, either intermittently or on the regs, do get in touch with me on Twitter at I am Mal Foster on Instagram or Twitter. Did I say that? Yeah, I did. This is <laughs> this is the problem with doing it in one take and not editing is uh, just shit like that. But then again, maybe people enjoy that. Who knows? Anyway, I am Mal Foster. That's how you can find me on Twitter and Instagram to let me know if this is something you want to hear more of or if you just don't want to hear any more of the podcast full stop. If I actually know if you if that's the case, don't just don't tell me. Just stop listening and just ghost me. I'd rather you ghost me and tell me that harsh truth. Anyway, my trip back to Britain back in August uh, was only really meant to be four and a half weeks. It did end up being six. We'll kind of get onto that hopefully if if time permits. I'm going to try and go through this at a reasonable pace. I don't want to kind of speed read through my notes as if I'm doing the T's and C's for some sort of legal insurance company. Um, but at the same time, you know, time is of the essence. So, yeah, it was meant to be five weeks, four and a half, five weeks. Ended up being six. As I say, we'll get there. But to get there, we first need to get there. Uh, and I'm not going to go through every stage of my journey because that's just pointless, really. But for anybody that is interested in the sort of requirements, the protocols, as it were, you know, to get across from the US to the UK. I had to fill in a passenger locator form with the UK government, a bunch of essential information. Um, I had to have a fit to fly test within three days before traveling. And that was a lab based test. You couldn't do a rapid antigen. I'm just throwing this out in case anybody's curious about the procedure or if anyone's maybe eyeing up a visit themselves what you may be expected i also had to pre-book two tests one for the second and one for the eighth day um, of my time there following my arrival pre-book those and purchase them and, and have proof of them and the big thing really was the 10-day quarantine which actually was kind of dismissed after about my 12th day about two days out of my 10-day quarantine they changed the the rules and we're like, yeah, people coming in from the US don't have to do the 10-day quarantine anymore. At the time, um, the US was on the, the UK's amber list of countries. 
for COVID. So it was a 10 day quarantine set rule, um, which I had to adhere by and, and did so without a problem. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, the flight itself was consistent of three separate flights to one was domestic, one was to Amsterdam and then one from Amsterdam to Manchester. Um, again, just COVID rules and restrictions, really. Uh, understandable, a little bit of a hassle. Took a little bit longer than usual, about 26 hours. Most of which was spent wearing my mask. I actually didn't have a problem with the mask thing at all. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit uncomfortable, with the exception of taking it off to eat and drink. You know, you do have it on pretty much the entire time, but you kind of just get used to it after a while. I was a little bit concerned about the possibility of running into, like, one of those mask idiots in the airport. You know, the, the, the screaming pillocks that we've seen on viral videos, you know, the real real knobs just going off on one. Oh, I don't want to wear my mask, you can't make me. Kicking off with airplane staff and... Uh, airplane staff? Yeah, well, yeah, airplane staff and airport staff, I guess. But thankfully there was no mask drama and, you know, everybody was kind of just like, well, this is this is what we have to do. This is the sort of trade-off to get to places we want to get to and to see people we want to see. Speaking of which, so, three flights, 26, roughly 26 hours, and I finally arrive in Manchester, having done all those um, sort of paperwork bits and pieces, gone through all those rules and regulations, finally arrive in Manchester Airport, and... I get to see my mum in person for the first time in 18 months. The first time I actually get to hug my mum in 18 months. The last time I saw her was in that very same airport as she was saying goodbye to me as I left for leave. No, fuck, no, that's wrong. <laughs> no, that's really wrong. Um, The last time I saw her... <laughs> Wow, I was I was going for some sort of dramatic heartstring pulling uh, anecdote there and realised that's completely bullshit. That's not factually correct whatsoever. The last time I saw my mum was when she came over here for Christmas in 2020. See, this is the thing. It's the dates. It's remembering years. You know, time really has become this weird, bastardized, elastic thing of, of no meaning where it seems like eons since something happened, but yet it's not. Um, yeah, Christmas time of 2020 when she came over here to see us for the holidays and uh, we just binge-watched The Mandalorian, amongst other things, you know, Yuletide festivities and what have you. But yeah, Christmas 2020 was uh, the last time I saw my mum in person. Jeez, it would be pretty tragic if I hadn't seen her for fucking two and a half years. Um, but it's one and a half. So 18 months since then. First time I got to see her in person. More importantly, first time I actually got to give her a hug. And the thing is, over this last 18 months, technology has helped us out enormously. It's managed to bridge gaps between people to keep relationships going. And in some cases, strengthen relationships because there's been more... Con consistent more constant communication between people but it really does as amazing as it has been as life-saving as it has been having communication through tech it really does pale in comparison to having that physical presence of being there with that person in that same space um I, I you know i felt the same thing when i got to visit two of my best friends 
uh, two former guests from Dimed Out, Rachel and Sean. I got to spend a weekend with them. And despite kind of getting to know them even better and growing closer to them over the pandemic through technology in the virtual setting, getting to actually be in the same place as them, getting to give them hugs and just be physically present and hearing their laughter directly. Oh, it's just it's something else it really is something else. Anyway, um, I'm completely by the time I get to the airport, I'm obviously kind of zoned out, you know, kind of not really with it after 26 hours of flying and my uh, obligatory 15 minutes of dozing on an airplane. Don't know about you, but I can never sleep on planes. I have a problem sleeping, sitting up anyway, but on planes especially, uh, especially if you're in the aisle seat, because I just feel like I'm just going to get clipped by the drinks trolley anytime I even manage to get close to sleeping. Anyway, 15 minutes of dozing, 26 hours roughly of flying. Finally arrived. Give my mum a huge big hug. It's amazing. Overwhelmed with emotion and still really confused and just kind of like not fully with it. But just just in awe that it finally could happen after a year and a half. Um, yeah, pretty much zonked out for most of the trip. Still awake, but just kind of not really coherent. Obligatory stop at T-Bay, obviously, if you're in that area, if you're going through the lakes. You've got to stop at T-Bay. There's, there's no excuse not to. Um, and then back to my mum's new apartment. See, in the, in the time that I've been away, the time that I emigrated from the UK to the US, my mum has moved away from our family home, from my childhood house. And for all the better, you know, obviously I have so many memories there, most of which are great. Um... It was time for her to move. It was time for her to downsize from a three-story house to an apartment where she doesn't have as much concentrated cleaning, where it's just easier to manage and where she has more time for her to do what she wants to do. And yeah, so I got to see that for the first time in person. I've seen photos, I've seen videos. Obviously, I've seen it when we video called over the last 18 months. But to actually be there physically present in the place, to be able to see it for myself, to be able to touch it, to be able to see things she's kind of repurposed from our old house into her new space and see it given a new lease of life was just wonderful. So I'm there um, pretty much straight to bed. And then the next day begins my 10 days of quarantine, which for some people, they'd be pretty miffed at that. You know, you've waited so long to go back. You've gone through this pretty, you know, exhausting journey to get there. And then you've got 10 days where you really can't go too far away from the place that you said you're staying. You've kind of got to keep away from general public. You're kind of limited for your 10 days. But honestly, I loved it. It was 10 days of just relaxing, of just hanging around, talking with my mum, going for short walks around her apartment lounging on the couch, multiple cups of tea and hobnobs, the odd episode of Classic Corrie, maybe the odd episode of Coach Trip, just general, just fluff TV <laughs> that you can kind of just have on in the background or watch if you want and just do other things. And just basically, I loved having 10 days of no beating myself up for not having this done, for not thinking, oh God, I've got X, Y and Z to get done by the end of Tuesday. I've got this to plan. I've got this to start. I've got these materials to source. None of that. You know, all the stress and the pressure and the expectations I put on myself during most of season three, completely gone. And I just was kind of there, very present, 
in the moment, enjoying doing nothing for those 10 days. It was wonderful. After the 10 days, I got to go exploring and I got to go and see the new area in which my mum is living. More importantly, I got to see my mum's allotment. This is something she's been working on as a passion project for the last two years. To say that she inherited a shithole would be putting it mildly. The, the patch of land that she had when she got this allotment, it was rank. There was like weeds akimbo, there was shit buried in the ground, it was just like a bomb site. And over the last two years, with some help from her friends at the allotment, she has just taken all the rough edges off. She's smoothed it out, she's made it this amazing place. I have thrown up pictures, a before and after set, on my Instagram if you want to see it for yourself, if you want to see just like the wild contrast from what it was to what it is. You can find that on Instagram at I am Mal Foster. I couldn't be prouder of my mum for that. You know, I mean, I couldn't be prouder of her anyway. She's she's amazing, but seeing just the effort and the time and the, the dedication and the passion and the love that she's thrown into that, it's it's remarkable. Anyway, again, getting to be there itself. I've seen pictures, I've seen videos. She showed me it during video calls, but being there myself, physically present in the space, being able to touch the plants, being able to actually see her planters, being able to see the shed she's put together, the decking, all the different sections in this little space that she's got. Brilliant. Being able to sit on the little patio on the decking and have myself a copperberg as the sun went down on day 11 or day 12, whenever it was. Just, just little moments like that, you know, just they resonate so deeply. I loved it and so proud of her. Um, so went to see that, went to see some other new stuff. There's a whole bunch of uh, nature reservations where my mum's at, where she lives now, the place that that is in the area. You are really not that far away from the city centre. So if you want city centre stuff, you've got that reasonably close. If you want to just kind of escape in a healthy way, if you want to get lost away from main roads and traffic and city stuff and busy sections and industrial estates, you can kind of just dive into one of these nature reserves and just kind of get lost amongst like corridors of trees and lots of greenery. So yeah, a lot of rambling going on to begin with and a lot of rambling going on throughout most of my six weeks. I will say this, I feel like I got the most out of being within the the area of the Lake District when I was there. That was something that I purposely wanted to do because I don't have access to nature of that degree. There's some nice spaces where I'm at. There's a lovely lake and park area not too far from where we live. And there's some other places here and there, but there's there's nothing really on the same level as the, the environment and the scenery and the places that you get within the Lake District. So, yeah, that was very much on my my very loose agenda of going back was to sort of ramble amongst nature and be amongst some of those large, wide open spaces and to, to visit places that, you know, I've known and loved and been familiar with, but haven't had the chance to actually see and more importantly, immerse myself in for some instances, years and years. Places like Keswick, uh, like Windermere, to a lesser effect, Talking Tarn. One big place that was a huge, huge must visit for me is somewhere that really has a real portion of my heart, somewhere that is a real place of, of resonant emotion for me, and that is Kilda Forest. I don't know what it is about Kilda Forest. There is just 
as I said before, a healthy disconnect. You kind of feel like you are able to escape from the everyday trappings, the everyday doings and stress of the modern world and just kind of lose yourself in a separate world in Kiel the Forest. It sounds really kind of airy-fairy or what have you, or woo-woo or, or you know, like really uber-hippie earth child sort of rhetoric, I guess. But it just there's something in there. There's something in there that just kind of connects you to a, a greater sense of being and allows you to just sort of escape completely. Yeah, I just I adore Kielda. There's just something really magical about it. And just being out in nature, um, you know, just being amongst such a great expanse, things that are so much bigger than you, that have been there for much longer than you, really kind of puts you as a person, as an entity on this planet in perspective. And now we really are getting into some Earth child hippie stuff. But it's true. It really is. In terms of kind of giving yourself space and distance from the little things, you know, that seem to stress you out and, and cause you problems, but really are kind of trivial in comparison to, to the much bigger picture. Yeah, it's just a real, real sort of great sense of separation. And yet, at the same time, a real source of connectivity being out amongst places like that. If you can, if you have the ability to, then I highly recommend you visit all of these places I've mentioned, like Windermere, Keswick, Kielder. Um, get out there. Just get out there and, and soak it up and immerse yourself in it if you can. If you can't and you've never heard of these places, then, yeah, the internet is your friend. Go and utilise it and see what I'm talking about. Um, but it wasn't just places that I, I knew, although there was a bit of that in terms of nature and in terms of city stuff, visiting old haunts, streets. That, you know, to, to not get too whimsical and, and literary about it. Streets that really still hold a lot of memories and, and, and ghosts, you know, but not scary, regretful ghosts, just happy spirits, you know, fragments of things that I've known and loved, people that I've known and loved, things that I cherish fondly. Visiting places I haven't seen again for years. Uh, visiting my old childhood home. You know, I don't know why. Well, I do. At the time, I didn't know why I went back to my old street and my old house. But now looking back with hindsight, I think it's because I felt compelled to. It almost felt, again, in hindsight, not at the time, but looking back, it, it almost feels, I should say, to get my tenses correct, like it was a, a sense of completion, you know, not quite going full circle, but kind of just, I don't know. I don't know, maybe completion is not the right word. Just connectivity, maybe, to the familiar, to the things I know, to the places I've loved. You know, because that house, that street, it's got a lot of memories, the vast majority of which are wonderful. So maybe there's a sense of that. Maybe it's not completion, but connectivity instead. And I honestly, yeah, the more I think about it, the more that seems right. Because I feel like the whole, or at least one of the main reasons why I, I had to go back and visit was to connect again, with places and with people. Speaking of which, I did mention earlier that I got to go and spend a weekend with Rachel and Sean, and that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Again, to be in their presence, to be physically with them in the same space, wonderful, you know, makes a whole difference, really does help recharge your soul's battery and really does help with that sense of connectivity. We had a great weekend. We all had a first viewing of the Boondock Saints with Willem Dafoe's just off the rails acting. Uh, I went running 
with Rachel, which is the first time I've ever gone running with somebody that wasn't myself. Um, I've never done that before. And that was kind of a little bit daunting because it's, again, running solo is something I'm just so used to. But doing it with somebody you care about and someone you trust implicitly makes a huge world of difference. We went for drinks at a microbrewery. I can't remember his name at the minute. If I do remember, I will give them a shout out because it was brilliant. Uh, I think I've used that word far too many times. And we also went into the lakes ourselves. We went to, um, oh, let me have a crack at this, uh, Araforce? A lot of waterfalls, beautiful landscapes, uh, just beautiful scenery. Again, just places to go and ramble and feel that sense of connectivity as, uh, as, as only somewhere like the lakes can, can give you, essentially. For me, at least. And, you know, I'm speaking from a sense of bias, obviously. Um, that was new. That was a new place. I'd never actually been there before. So it was, uh, it was great to go and kind of expand my nature repertoire, as it were. All in all, the rambling outdoors, being in these great sort of expansive areas, it really gave me not just a deeper appreciation for the lakes, but for nature as a whole, you know. And, and again, that sense of connectivity of the, the environment and space that really I needed. It wasn't a case that I wanted to go and see these places and I wanted to just ramble aimlessly through, through forests and nature and what have you. I feel like I needed that. You know, in the same way that I, you know, I guess subconsciously I needed to go back to Marjorie Street, the same way that I needed a hug from my mum for the first time in 18 years, the, the same way that I needed to spend time with, with friends, you know. Um, there are just things that you need that take precedent over the want. And, and for me, that was, that was definitely one of them, was just being out there amongst that. Somewhere that I did go back to, that I haven't been to for quite some time, that really does have quite a bit of history for me, is a small seaside town called Allenby. And uh, you've got to get ice cream if you go to Allenby. It just, it, you just have to. It's the done thing. And uh, I have a lot of good memories there. Memories of going there with my grandma and my mum as a kid. And Allenby as a town is, is really kind of lost in time, essentially. You know, there's nothing really sort of cutting edge or contemporary about Allenby whatsoever. But that's its charm, the fact that it's really sort of steeped within a certain time period and hasn't really moved further forward. Um, so I guess there's a sense of comfort in that, you know, kind of being, again, in a healthy way, disconnected from... The, the world that you know, from the life that you know, from the, the day in, day out stuff that you do and just kind of find yourself falling into in almost a mechanical fashion. Being completely separated from that and kind of going back to a simpler time, a calmer time, a nicer time, a sort of more free time in a lot of ways, mixed with the, the, the wonderful memories I have was, was amazing. And, and it really kind of took on a whole new meaning for me. I've always kind of liked beaches. This is going to sound like a real wild tangent to the side. I've always liked beaches, not for sort of sunbathing or lounging, but just to do something extremely, if you're on a quiet beach, that is. There's something extremely calming and serene about beaches, especially like going into the tide and watching it kind of come up to the shore, just paddling putting your feet into the sand and just being there again, feeling connected and just feeling a sense of calm and healthy disconnect and separation. Yeah. There's something about water in general 
that just really appeals to me, but water on beaches in particular. In fact, there's a, it's not a, a beach, but it's a bridge. There's a, about the halfway point between where my mum is now and our old house, roughly about the halfway point, there is a, a bridge which goes over uh, the River Eden. And you can just, at least I can, lose yourself just looking into the vanishing point of it, you know, where the water kind of turns around a bend and uh, keeps on flowing. You don't know where it's going. You don't know what's happening. You know, you can't see its trajectory because it's going around a corner and it's out of your eyesight. But just the idea of water just constantly regenerating and moving and flowing, um, you know, there's something to that. And I feel like I'm, I'm verging on philosophical territories here. <laughs> so I'll kind of rein it back in a little bit because I've only got God knows how long left. Um, yeah. Where was I? Allenby and then water. Um, yeah. Wow. Just the, the flow of time. I just really lost myself in a philosophical vacuum for a second. Um, so yeah, in in summary, really, like it was it was six weeks of recharging my soul's battery of just wonderful nature rambles of time with loved ones of brilliant, brilliant, absolutely cracking alternative meat slash vegetarian slash vegan burgers and craft ale. Perhaps too much of both of those things. I don't know. Is that even a thing? Is it possible to have too much of those? I would suggest no, but others probably would, dietitians and the like. Um, yeah, it's just six weeks of, of, as I said, recharging my soul's battery of connectivity, of being in places I know and love and that are familiar and that just really kind of restore so much of me back into me. And the same with people, you know, um, another fantastic friend of mine, someone who I see as almost an older brother, someone I used to work with, I got to see him. I got to go and see where he lives for the first time in our friendship, which is ridiculous. Um, but it was beautiful, you know, got to see where he lives, got to spend time with his family, um, you know, just got to hang out, got to watch some football, listen to some records um, and just, yeah, completely disconnect from any sense of agendas or impending tasks or just things hovering over either of us and just enjoy each other's company. And that's what it's about. It's about connectivity. It really is to kind of hack on this and go back to it. It is about connectivity to the things that you know, the things that you love. Also to the things that you don't. Kind of pushing yourself out of a comfort zone, doing a stupid podcast episode in one take set to a timer, or going somewhere you've never been before, or traveling somewhere you've never been before all by yourself. All of these things, they push us and they, they give us a sense of a much fuller, more dynamic, enriched life. And this is this is a great example of it. The reason it was six weeks, I'll kind of touch on this before we wrap things up. Essentially, I'm not going to get too much into it because I don't want to mar these these six weeks with just <laughs> a tale of stress and, and anger. But essentially, I turned up to the airport to fly out on the day that I believed I was flying out on, catching the plane that I was believed to be catching. All of the things you normally do on a return part of a journey, um, only to find out that the, the flight wasn't actually on the board, that Virgin Atlantic weren't actually doing any partnered flights with, with Delta that day. In fact, Virgin weren't doing any flights that day. So in essence, I arrive at the airport, see that my, my flight doesn't even exist. I mean, it's not even there. 
it's it's just nowhere to be found. And long story short, to kind of really whittle this down, is they presumably, because I still don't know exactly what happened, but they presumably cancelled the flight outright or transferred it to another partner that Delta operates with. But they didn't tell me about it. They didn't text me or email me or anything. So as far as I knew, my original departure or my original de- return, rather, was, was going ahead as planned when it wasn't. So, you know, needless to say, there's a lot of stress flapping about going from one place to another in the airport. Eventually I got it sorted, um, but it's, uh, it was pretty stressful. But, you know, for one day's stress and the cost of another fit-to-fly test that I had to take before leaving, I did get an extra week and a half to spend with my mum spend in my mum's new area to spend just being there and continuing the the good feelings that I had managed to sort of harvest plenty of the 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 weeks prior yeah um it will go down as a genuine genuine just affirming moment in my life going back for the first time in two and a half years it really did the job it connected me to a place I love, to people I love, and it kind of gave me enough space and separation from things that have been stressing me out, you know. And a lot of those things, as mentioned at the top of the show, are self-imposed. So it kind of gave me gave me a lot. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it, really. <laughs> you know, um, just absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. So there you go. That is season three. Um, I do not know when season four is going to be coming back. I honestly don't. I'm, you know, trying to kind of just be more in the moment. I'm trying to not throw myself too much into this. I still want this to be great. I still want this to work. I still want this to be appealing and entertaining and educating and fun for people. I still want to to love doing it. And I think to do that, I need to ease off a little bit. So, yeah, I don't know when season four is coming the best way to kind of keep up to date with that is to follow me on Twitter or Instagram at I am Mal Foster and you can kind of just yeah see what happens there. In the meantime, I am going to be trying something on the feed, on the podcast feed for people with Spotify accounts. I'm going to have a crack at uh, curating some, some music based shows that are going to be completely separate from this. But yeah, if you are subscribed to the podcast, you will see these land in your feed, you'll be able to hear them in full. The tracks that are uh, going to be featured in full on Spotify with a premium account. If you have a free account, you can hear a 30 second preview, which given what I'm about to play in these <laughs> may be the better option. I don't know. But yeah, I'm going to try my hand at uh, sort of curating some music slash DJing, I guess. Um, so yeah, for those of you who do like the music content on the social media feeds, then, uh, yeah, that might be something you want to check out. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the show, then obviously do so. We encourage that. And, uh, just yeah, just follow us on social media. Check out the website, dimed-out.com. And you can get access to all of Season 3 and 2 and 1. And some other cool stuff as well is going to be coming down the pike at some point. Anyway, I think that's it. I think I've actually beaten the timer, which is surprising to say the least. Anyway, that's it. That's it for season three. If you've joined us from the very beginning, if you've been with us from episode one of season one, if you've just joined us last week on the back of the episode we did with the furries, which is definitely one you should check out if you haven't done so, um, wherever you've come into the show, from whatever point, as always, thank you for listening. And uh, until next season, 
Look after yourselves and each other. Thank you.